What's up everybody? It's Pastor James. Welcome back to the Midweek Bible Study. Today we are finishing up chapter 14 and as we finish up I do want to remind you that in last week's study of the first half of this chapter Paul promoted the need to seek love and desire the most helpful spiritual gifts. There is a need for us as Christians to desire the things that will glorify God the most and lift up our brothers and sisters and uh, Paul revealed that their desires for certain spiritual gifts showed that they only wanted to elevate themselves and not others, and surely uh, not elevate their Heavenly Father. So as we read the last part of the chapter today, Paul calls the people of Corinth to orderly worship because this group of believers had been divided for some time now in their meetings with one another. So let's read the rest of this chapter, verses 26 through 40 together, and then we'll talk a little bit. It says, Well, my brothers and sisters, let's summarize. When you meet together, one will sing, another will teach, another will tell some special revelation God has given, one will speak in tongues, and another will interpret what is said. But everything that is done must strengthen all of you. <clears throat> no more than two or three should speak in tongues. They must speak one at a time, and someone must interpret what they say. But if no one is present who can interpret, they must be silent in your church meeting and speak in tongues to God privately. Let two or three people prophesy, and let the others evaluate what is said. But if someone is prophesying and another person receives a revelation from the Lord, the one who is speaking must stop. In this way, all who prophesy will have a turn to speak one after the other. So that everyone will learn and be encouraged. Remember that people who prophesy are in control of their spirit and can take turns. For God is not a God of disorder, but of peace, as in all the meetings of God's holy people. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It's not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it's improper for women to speak in church meetings. Or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? Are you the only ones to whom it was given? If you claim to be a prophet or think you are spiritual, you should recognize that what I am saying is a command from the Lord himself. But if you do not recognize this, you yourself will not be recognized. So, my dear brothers and sisters, be eager to prophesy and don't forbid speaking in tongues. But be sure that everything is done properly and in order. Alrighty, so <clears throat> Paul begins this call to orderly worship by going through what would typically happen at one of their meetings. Now remember that the church in Corinth is not what church would be today. You know, it's really hard for us to understand this and remind ourselves of this, but the church in Corinth was comprised of many small groups of people meeting in various homes across the city and worshiping in a setting of probably 15 or less people. But there were many of these groups that existed. So for a meeting, um, Paul says that one would sing and one would teach and one would give revelation and one would speak in tongues and another would interpret. And everything that is done must strengthen everybody who's present at that meeting and this is a process that's still sort of honored even to this day in our modern churches even with meeting in larger crowds it's still done to some type of format similar to this and the goal is that everything that is done should be done to strengthen the body as a whole now 
you have to imagine in this smaller setting in a home, and we're just saying 15 people or less, you know, somewhere around there, the percentage of people who are able to participate and share in a small group is much higher than in a group of 100, 500, or 1,000. And how much more important would it be for a group of 15 or less people for everyone to do what God has specifically gifted them to do? You know, in a larger church setting, it's easy for people to come in and not do anything. <laughs> it's easy for people to come in and not use their gifts. It's easy for people to come in and just rely on a few people to do the majority of the work. But in a small setting, if that is your church family and that's who you're regularly meeting with, it's really difficult to come in in a group of 15 people and everyone not do their job and everyone not do what God has gifted them to do in the right way. And this is one of the reasons why the, the problems they were having with everyone trying to have the same spiritual gift was so disruptive because they were meeting in smaller groups and they very much needed everyone to do what God had gifted them to do and called them to do. So it's very important for these people to be obedient and submissive to one another and loving one another and lifting one another up. So so in this, as Paul calls them to orderly worship, he limits the speaking of tongues because, I mean, over the past several chapters, it's pretty easy to say that speaking in tongues seemed to be the most sought-after gift of people and it had brought the most confusion, and it had brought the most disruption, and it had brought the most division of anything else that was going on. And the desire to speak and be heard had apparently reached the point where multiple people were speaking in tongues at once, and there were no interpreters, and in turn it brought more chaos and confusion than it did strength and honor to a time of worship among the believers. And as a result, Paul promotes that a proper percentage of people should be fulfilling that gift of the Spirit, and there should always be an interpreter, and they should only speak one at a time. So he just kind of gives very clear direction as to what should take place. And he says if no one can interpret, then that person should be silent during the time of worship and only speak in tongues privately with him and God. So he doesn't say they should never speak in tongues again. He just says that should only be something done between you and the Lord. Now, Paul also limits prophecy to two or three people, and that's really important because, you know, he's really promoted prophecy over the past uh, couple chapters, but now he's saying, well, listen, when you're meeting together, only two or three people should prophesy because there's only room for so much to happen, and there's only enough time for so much to happen. So, even whenever you prophesy, there should be the ability for others to evaluate what is being said. And you have to notice in this chapter the sense of checks and balances that Paul is promoting to the people of Corinth. There have to be people present who can affirm what is being done and verify that it's from the Lord. They have to approve of what's happening or they have to reject it. That's really important. Now, now, as we go to church, you know, it, it's very important that we as believers are approving or rejecting what is going on inside the body of Christ. We are called to do that. That is something that God's called us as believers to do. And, and this creates the need for people to be genuine in their worship. Now, you have to think about that, too. So if there are people who are expected to you're you are expected to have an interpreter you're expected to have someone evaluate what you said you're expected 
to be affirmed or rejected inside the meeting, it would give a much greater um, sense of urgency to be genuine and authentic in what you say during a church service because this creates the possibility of being humiliated at church. So if you prophesy or if you speak in tongues and no one can uh, affirm it or no one can interpret it, then basically you would be called down and told to be quiet. And that would be... I can't imagine anything more humiliating than being in the middle of church and being called down and told to be silent because no one could affirm that what I was saying is true. But that's the way that it's all supposed to be. That's the way God intended it to be. So, um, Paul is promoting that people uh, don't... He's promoting this so that we don't have imposters inside the church. That we don't have people who are faking this and distracting from orderly worship. And that's really important. Paul also talks about prophesying and how it should stop as someone receives a revelation from the Lord. And basically there's a need to allow all people to share and participate in worship. You should not have people who dominate the conversation or dominate the setting in any way. No one at church should feel that they are able to participate in the worship of Christ as a result of another believer or other believers. That's really important. Everyone should get a turn to speak, especially in a smaller setting, so that everyone will learn and be encouraged. And that's the goal of worshiping together. Now, obviously, as a church grows and you have the ability to meet in larger groups, Everyone can't talk. Everyone can't speak. You don't have enough time for, for all those things to happen. And so it, you, you tend to have people who are uh, much more gifted in certain areas leading in the worship of the Lord rather than everyone participating in it. And there's good things about that, and there's, there's bad things about that. And I think that's one of the reasons why uh, small groups or some type of Sunday school class or Bible study something that you can do inside of a smaller group setting where you can truly participate in the worship and is much more important than just attending a worship service. I believe both are valuable, but um, but if you had to choose one, I would definitely choose the smaller setting over the larger setting every time. <clears throat> so, verse uh, 33 is a verse that we should always cling to and never let it escape us as Paul talks about this. And he says, Our God is a God of peace and order, and he wants his holy people to be the same. We should be people of peace and order. And that's really important. To understand that one of the greatest characteristics of God is that he is a God of peace, and he's a God of order, and we are called to be like him in that same respect. And that's very important. So, let's talk about um, the controversial parts of verses 34 and 35. These are some passages of scripture that are very controversial. So let's talk about them really quick. As Paul says that women should be silent and not speak. They should be submissive. If they have questions, let them ask their husbands at home. For it is improper for a woman to speak in church meetings Let's talk about that for a second. You know, it's really sad to say that this passage has been taken out of context and used wrongly against women in the church for a really long time. 
<clears throat> and I do want to remind you that Paul has already affirmed the ability of women to pray and prophesy publicly. We talked about that in chapter 11 as Paul required the women to have their heads covered while doing so, if you remember that. And uh, it seems that these two verses are referring to a, uh, a separate issue that is taking place. And so let me give you a little bit of background info on kind of the theory of this challenge from Paul and what it really means. So, as we've stated before, many of the Christians in Corinth seem to have had Jewish backgrounds. And you notice that through Scripture as Paul refers to um, Jewish things multiple times. And uh, many of the home churches probably would have adopted, if they were filled with Jewish people, uh, being having a lot of Jewish people there, the worship settings inside people's homes probably would have adopted a little bit of a... Um, Jewish concept of worship as to what would be similar in a synagogue. And so what would happen in a synagogue is that women would be sitting in one section of the synagogue with all of the other women and the men would be sitting with the men and, you know, separate from one another. And a lot of early churches did this. That was pretty common among the early church. And so they think that this was probably <clears throat> the way the church in Corinth was set up as well. And uh, it was custom in the Jewish synagogues for this to happen. And women were very much expected to be silent in these settings. Now, participation would not be allowed inside the synagogue. And so Paul has affirmed women having spiritual gifts and their abilities to exercise their spiritual gifts in public with their heads covered. And you got to remember that was a requirement for them because of cultural issues. So why is Paul saying that they should be quiet and submissive? Well, it all comes back to this idea of orderly worship. And for things to be orderly, someone basically has to be in charge. And in both the Greek and the Jewish cultures, the men were supposed to be in authority. And the women were supposed to be submissive to that authority. And it would just make sense to carry that over into the daily functionings of the church. And apparently... It was thought that the women in these meetings, especially the Greek women, because the Jewish women would have understood how worship was supposed to take place inside the synagogue, and so they would have carried over that understanding. Well, the Greek women probably would not have understood that. And so it's thought that the, uh, the women were chattering, like whispering, chattering, causing commotion during the service, and possibly trying to pass judgment on whether or not a revelation was from God or whether or not something happening in the service was appropriate. So they were kind of voicing their opinions and possibly even asking questions uh, of their husbands during the middle of the service. And so Paul is staying with the culture and allowing the men to have the authority on deciding what was uh, allowed and what wasn't inside the church. So... It wasn't that women could not exercise their spiritual gifts, but basically when it came to running the church and deciding what was appropriate and what wasn't, that authority was reserved for the men. Also, um, as you can imagine, it would be very distracting for women to speak loudly in a service and to ask their husbands questions. Um, and it would have been really distracting if women were to speak across the room to ask their husband a question in a loud voice. <clears throat> and it would also be distracting if they got up, walked over to their husband, and began to whisper to him, asking him things during the middle 
of a church service. And if you can imagine in a home uh, that's filled with maybe 15 people, uh, that would be very noticeable and very distracting. So it's really important to understand kind of the, what was probably going on. And things like that um, shouldn't be happening. And this is why Paul uh, is talking about, you know, it's distracting. That These things should happen. These questions, all this stuff should be happening at home. And that's kind of par for the course. I mean, even in our services today, there's been times where I've been preaching and uh, and people have been talking and laughing and being disruptive. Some, you know, have done it disrespectfully. Some have not realized or meant to do it. And, and it's pretty annoying. It's very hard to carry on through a service while people are doing that. And it, and it, it doesn't happen often, but it happens. And I'm sure it's going to happen again at some point because people are people. But Paul is uh, challenging them to go against that. That should not be a normal, you know, uh, a time of worship should be set aside for God to honor God and lift him up. So removing distractions was very important. And as you look at um, the way that Paul addressed speaking in tongues, uh, th- apparently this problem with women being uh, disruptive and loud was uh, pretty apparent to where Paul was willing to say, hey, women shouldn't be speaking or talking during the services, and if they have questions, they should wait till they're home to ask those questions. So um, Paul has been addressing this issue with speaking in tongues, like, okay, it's disruptive, it's causing problems, so we need to address it, we need to talk about it. And I think that this is just kind of one of those things like, the, the women talking and asking questions during the middle of the service was kind of distracting. It had become a problem. And so Paul was just trying to put an end to that. Now, you need to notice that Paul did not, that he said that women were not allowed to speak. He didn't say they weren't allowed to speak in tongues. He didn't say they weren't allowed to prophesy. He didn't say they weren't allowed to pray. He didn't say they weren't allowed to preach. He just said that they were not allowed to speak. And there's a big difference between those things. And it's probably referring to more of a cultural necessity for public etiquette and the expectation of the roles of women and men inside their culture and inside the church rather than the simple fact of women were not allowed to participate in the worship of of a church setting. So... I think that's really important for us to take note of today. Now, Paul moves on in verse 36 to ask the question, or do you think God's word originated with you Corinthians? And that's a pretty strong rhetorical question. They were obviously very prideful. This church obviously thought a lot of themselves. But Paul cuts them down to size (coughs) with this question, and he reminds them that they are just a flame that was started from the sparks of a much larger fire than themselves. The the people in Corinth, they're important, but they're not the origin of the story. I mean, they are not the origin of salvation. They're not the origin of what Christ has done in people's hearts. And, And that's really important to remember. And sometimes we all need to be reminded of that. Sometimes we all need a little bit of humble pie because... We can get very absorbed in ourselves and think that we're the center and the focus of what's going on, and that's just not true. And so it's pretty obvious that the Corinthian church were a little self-absorbed, and Paul's reminding them that, hey, this thing didn't start with you, and it's not going to end with you. The church is much bigger than you. 
And so the body of Christ is much bigger than you. And you are just a small part of that. So don't think this all started with you like you get a major say-so in what's going on. Really, you all should be submitting to what's happening on a much larger scale. So Paul challenges them and says that if you claim to be spiritual, you should recognize his words as being true and a command from God himself. Now remember... If Paul ever makes a statement that he says, okay, this is like, I don't have a command from the Lord. I don't have anything to say that, yes, this is absolute, the law, the the truth that you should live by. He'll say, this is my opinion. But there are times, and this is one of those times where he says, you will recognize this as truth, as being God's law, as being what I have commanded, uh, what the Lord has commanded him to say. So, and Paul's saying, if you don't recognize this, then basically... The church as a whole is not going to recognize you. So if you're not going to abide by what God has promoted as being truth and God has promoted as being accurate, then the church is not going to recognize you as being a part of the church. And that's pretty strong words, but they are necessary to call the people of Corinth into submission and the right standing with the whole body as a whole church body. That's really important. So... Um, in his final two verses of this chapter, uh, Paul just sends out this reminder of what has been spoken of for the last three chapters. <clears throat> and he says, it's better to prophesy, so want that more. <clears throat> you should want to prophesy more because it's better to prophesy. But don't forbid speaking in tongues because it's a gift of the Spirit. So you should want to prophesy, but allow people to speak in tongues because it's a gift of the Spirit. But whatever is done... You have to make sure it's done properly and in an orderly fashion. And that is important to remember in all of this. That God is a God of order. He is a God of peace. Everything has a place. Everything has a proper place. And everything has an order. So make sure in all that you do, you're doing things in the order and fashion upon which God would have you do it. That's important to remember. That's important to keep in mind. And uh, we need to remember that in all the things that we do. All right? So let's pray together and I'll let you guys go today. Father, we thank you and love you so much for all that you've done for us. Thank you for Easter. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for giving us uh, forgiveness of sin and eternal life and a home to look forward to. God, I pray that you would speak to our hearts. Help us all to be humble and submissive. Help us all to seek the things that will glorify your name the most and to lift up our brothers and sisters the most. God, we love you today. Thank you so much for always guiding us and showing us what you would have us to do. We love you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, guys. Thanks again for tuning in for another week. We are so thankful you're a part of our family. We hope that you can join us in person on Sunday. But if not, catch us on Facebook, YouTube, or the podcast. We love you. We're praying for you. Hope you have a great week.